Welcome to episode 105 of the Half Point Per Podcast. After a one-month hiatus, I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalton Willie, who, since we last recorded, is in a new place with no flickering light, just no light, actually, in, in this room, and, and producer Johnny Pham, as always, as well. We did the pre-draft episode here, too. We did? Yeah, the youth affected my car during the... During the conversation. Oh, that's right. That's right. I do remember the, the used. The, your room was just clearly much brighter then. It was. Did, did not realize that you didn't have a, a light. In, you only have a light in two of your rooms. rooms. Am, I, am I right, Johnny? Rooms. <laughs> Bedroom. Living room. <laughs> I, lo- I, I love on Zillow, Johnny, when they advertise houses as seven room, three bath. No, no, it's three bed, three bath, bed, dip, not room, bed. Dip. No one classifies it at a living room as like a, an actual room in that. It's house. a room in your house. Then the dining room, kitchen room. Yeah, those are rooms too. Oh my god! And we are back after a month. Clearly, we've had um, a lot of of pent up arguments that that needed to happen. Uh, we've got a fun show today, guys. We're going to talk Dynasty Rookie Top 12s, but excuse me. But first, before we get into that, Dalton, let's just talk about some NFL draft winners and losers. We, we've had a month to, to digest and a month for really more signings or things of that nature to happen on these teams. I feel like we have a pretty clear picture outside of some veteran running backs that are still floating aimlessly out there let let's talk about some nfl draft winners and losers and uh, just off the top do you, you don't have tyler algier on this right no i left him off because he's he's obviously the loser of the nfl draft so we'll call this the the tyler algier memorial segment um do you want to give your your winner of the nfl draft yeah i thought this one uh, was pretty surprising with the way the draft fell um, a lot of Seahawks mocks had them taking a quarterback at five and just because mm-hmm. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson went in the top four, uh, they didn't have the opportunity to. And then the Seahawks turn around and pick 17 and take Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I think Geno Smith was a pretty clear winner. He's going into year two of that Shane Waldron offense, which we liked three years ago before, G- or before Russell Wilson mm-hmm. completely tanked what we thought Shane Waldron was. <laughs> Turns out Russell Wilson's problem, not Shane Waldron. Uh, and then they go back and they add a really good pass blocking back in Zach Charbonnet. So they really have upgraded their offense even better. This is a team that probably has a top five quarterback in the NFC just because of the current state of the NFC. God, and, that just as a Chiefs fan makes me mad to hear that yes. sentence out loud. But it's it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, I mean, last year they ran 12 personnel the most of any team in the league. And I think part of that is because of how terrible their wide receiver room was behind their two studs and Lockett and DK Metcalf. Yeah. Uh, now they can run out there with Noah Fan, but they can run a lot more 11 personnel. And I think that's going to really open up the offense more for Geno Smith and give him a lot of layup looks, which I'm not saying he needs those as a quarterback, but it's going to make his job significantly easier. And he goes into year two of two very talented offensive linemen who were rookies last year. So all around, I think Geno Smith's a huge winner of this. And I think, he could have another surprising season where he's a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are not 
football savants like Dalton 11 personnel three receiver sets is uh, <laughs> is what that means. I'm, I'm with you there, and we'll, we'll talk about it maybe a little bit more as we talk about JSN and the top 12s as far as that goes too. I think my pretty clear winner of the draft is Lamar Jackson, Dalton. And you can kind of just go that whole draft season. You hire Todd Munkin before that. Lamar gets the the massive contract finally after looking like he was actually maybe going to be traded. They bring in Odell Beckham Jr., but then the biggest win outside of him actually getting paid to me is what they do in the draft and getting Zay Flowers for him. You look back at the last five years, I I actually have, have this Warren Sharp tweet from like a half hour before we started this show. Their most, their wide receiver with the most snaps by year since Lamar Jackson was drafted has been Willie Sneed, Willie Sneed, Hollywood Brown, Hollywood Brown, Demarcus Robinson. You look this year, you have Zay Flowers, you have Rashad Bateman, you have Odell Beckham Jr., and obviously Mark Andrews at tight end. They're going to have to have multiple injuries to even get anywhere close to where that room has been, and Flowers is a big reason why. And also, I like that they didn't draft a running back, number one, as a J.K. Dobbins dynasty guy, and number two, that I think reaffirms to me that they're feeling good about Dobbins where he's at health-wise, and and I, I think that also just helps this offense as a whole because I think Dobbins is a very talented player. Just the scheme and the talent around Lamar should make passing much less of a chore than it has been. And again, I think Zay is a huge reason why he's going to be a killer in the slot for them this year with Bateman and Odell on the outside, most likely. He's probably going to be the most explosive receiver in their room. Odell's probably passed passed his best days. I think everybody probably agrees there. The best yards after catch guy in the room, Zay Flowers as well. And that will obviously help Lamar with some of those layups that you're talking about with, with Gino and JSN should be there for Lamar and Zay Flowers. So I just love the off season as a whole for Lamar and the draft just really punctuated that for me. Yeah. And Todd Munkin is an incredible OC and a fantasy favorite. He's one of the highest uh, offensive coordinators at neutral game pace. He loves to push the pace. I mean, he's the guy who got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans' top 12 fantasy seasons mm-hmm. with Jameis Winston. Uh, that was also the 30-30 year where he went 30 touchdowns and 30 <laughs> picks. Um, but Todd Munkin loves to push it. Jameis Winston got 4,000 passing yards with him. I think we all agree Lamar Jackson is a better passer than Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. And I think the Ravens went out and picked up Odell Beckham Jr. at a premium yeah. at Lamar's request in an attempt to get him to re-sign. Letting go of Greg Roman is huge. That was a very antiquated offensive scheme he ran. He loved running heavy personnel. They clearly had no commitment to wide receiver until this year. Um, and they didn't go out and sign another running back or draft another running back. They went all in on the pass game. I think that they're going to be one of the more surprising teams in the AFC Uh Right now, you can get Lamar at 30 to 1 in uh, MVP bets, and I think that's a really good bet. Uh, there's a storyline around him already. At the same time, he's added weapons. He has the best weapons of his career. Oh, yeah. And more, more so than that, I mean, his wide receiver, too, whether it's Odell or Zay Flowers, is probably the best wide receiver he's had. No disrespect to Hollywood Brown. So mm-hmm. I th- I'm looking really forward to this Ravens game, and he didn't end up going anywhere like. Falcons, which was a huge rumor, which would have been yeah. just as destructive, and it would have been Greg Roman 2.0 with the way they play football. Yeah, I think Munkin is going to be a big deal for that offense. Just looking at at ranks right now, I know it's super early, and so we haven't really 
dove into our own ranks yet, but I think I'm going to end up higher on about everybody in this Baltimore offense than in consensus is kind of my early feeling. And yeah, instead I, of cutting Gus the bus, they restructured his contract. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I don't know about that. He's uh, was it? I think he's like a, on a five million dollar deal. I think they can save like four million dollars against the cap if they cut him. So he he's no guarantee to make it out of camp. But yeah, getting away from from the topic here, Lamar is a a big winner for me, Dalton. Who is your loser of of this draft? Um, I thought this was like a pretty clear cut one, and then I opened Twitter this morning and saw that apparently it is not. I had David Montgomery as my loser. Really. Uh, and there are still some big-time Dave Montgomery stands on the Twitterverse. Uh, no offense, but when a team goes out and drafts a player top 12, when there are still players like Christian Gonzalez on the board, which would have been a huge need for the Detroit Lions, in my opinion, uh, it's pretty indicative that they want to get away from their current running back room. Of course, in that same draft, they go and trade DeAndre Swift for a seventh rounder. Uh, I think it's back to the the really annoying offseason contract watching where David Montgomery is like the ninth or eighth highest paid running back in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. which I think he's still going to get his work. But Jameer Gibbs is just clearly the guy that they want to go with. Uh, David Montgomery is probably going to come in on third downs here and there and maybe be a first down plotter occasionally. But I don't think he's going to be getting the bulk of the snap share. Uh, he's not going to be what Jamal Williams was last year. I think Jameer Gibbs can fit just fine in the red zone as well. And I think Ben Johnson is very excited about utilizing Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I'm not saying like David Montgomery is on my do not draft list, depending on where he ends up later in the year. But I mean, this guy was going as high as the third round before the draft in underdog drafts. And I just think he's a major loser because I don't think he's going to have a high share of that backfield any longer. Yeah, I guess, you know, I didn't really even consider Montgomery to me because we've never been the biggest Montgomery guy. So even when Swift was there and we all we've expressed our doubts about him, which I think were kind of confirmed with with what he was traded for and what the Lions uh, used to get his replacement. Um, I was never thinking of Montgomery as like a top 15 type of guy, but maybe some were out there. And I think that that ship was probably sailed. So in that sense, yeah, I think he probably could be considered a loser his um his value is at least taking a hit if nothing else like i think it'll probably be fairly close to a 50 50 split maybe gibbs as the year goes on slowly earns more and more and it's more of like a 60 40 but it'll probably be you know gibbs is obviously a small guy he it was the big drama with him is is he gonna be able is he gonna weigh 200 at the combine i, I think he weighed like 199 or something like that just under but smaller guy, probably not going to be an every down guy. You probably don't want him to be an every down guy. So Montgomery will have a role and he'll probably have like a short yardage role, a role that could realistically earn him like eight touchdowns this season. But yeah, he he's more of like a high end RB three than maybe the mid to low end RB two that he was prior to the NFL draft. Because I do expect expect Gibbs to have more trust from the coaching staff than Swift would have had there. That's a good one. Yeah, and I think Swift or Montgomery has completely lost any chance at a receiving role in this offense, which makes it even harder for him yeah. to get to any fantasy value. For sure. So mine, I I was worried that we were going to have overlap, so I have some, some honorable <laughs> mentions here. But my loser is Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker is like outside of Algier. He is – the clear loser to me and probably the most high high profile like Algier you know RB two three 
Walker goes from a pretty clear-cut RB1, like top 10 type of guy to me to, if I had to guess, just looking at others' ranks, I probably would slot him in as like an RB16 to 20, somewhere in there. So he takes a bit of a tumble, and that's obviously because they draft Zach Charbonnet, who you mentioned earlier, is a great pass protector and potentially on the field as a third down guy. Like, I was just thinking about it this morning. Nobody has it ranked this way. Everybody has Pacheco a decent bit lower than Walker. But, like, for me, I think it's good. Like, I might be very tempted to rank a guy like Isaiah Pacheco ahead of Kenneth Walker, where I obviously would not have been before. So that's kind of where I'm at with Walker after this draft. And really the bottom line is he looked like he was set up for a three-down role heading into the season. And that's just clearly not the case with, with Charbonnet now as the 52nd pick in this draft. He, he has a three down skill set. We've mentioned it. He's a great pass protector, best in the class at running back proved he can catch the ball well enough in college. And he's a good rusher. Like he is a powerful back. He's probably going to be the preferred short yardage guy. He might be the preferred inside the five yard line guy. We'll see. I think it's hard to really know what their roles are going to look like because it's not like one's a clear pass catcher and one's a clear early down guy. They both can kind of overlap, but just on the whole, I think that we're going to see a lot more of a split than we would have obviously before Charbonnet. And that's just a a bummer for Walker because he's one of my favorite young running backs in the NFL. But this is a guy who was RB 17 in points per game last season and I just can't see him doing much better than that this year you know I know it took him until about week five to really start hitting his stride because he just wasn't getting that much playing time early in the season but he still finished the year with 255 touches average 17 a game so I don't know I think it's realistic to say that maybe the touches go down that offsets the quick start and we might see him finish in a similar spot to last season and I just I think the leap was going to happen without Charbonnet being there. Yeah, and not to like over harp on the guy, but he did only finish as a running back 18 and mm-hmm. he was going pretty high. And I understand there's a lot of hype around him because he's a second round pick. Charbonnet went right next to where Kenneth Walker went in the draft. You can never trust Pete Carroll when it comes to his running backs, apparently. God, um, I know. And I also think the picking of JSN just signals that this offense wants to move in a more 21st century role. They were the 18th most run heavy team in the NFL. So they're right in the middle of the pack, but I think they probably want to pass more and they'll have the opportunity to do so. Uh, And if you look down the stretch, I think Ken Walker kind of let off the gas as we ended the season. Mm -hmm. He had a couple of games where he just wasn't as good as he was to start it. And I think that also signaled to the front office there that they need somebody uh, to back him up who's sufficient because Travis Homer Um, And the rest of that DJ Dallas backfield just wasn't doing it for them. Uh, And I mean, Zach Charbonnet was the most three down ready back in this draft class. Other than Mm -hmm. the top two and Bijan and Junior Gibbs, which is terrifying for Ken Walker's value. And this, I'm not going to draw direct parallels, but this could very well end up being like a DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams situation where one guy just does the nitty gritty stuff a lot better than the other guy and doesn't look for big holes and gets more playing time because of it. And I do think, Charbonnet is a better pass protector. Ken Walker last year among qualified running backs with at least 80 snaps was 52nd in the NFL in pass blocking percentage. Mm -hmm. And they had a pretty good offensive line. So it wasn't like he was being asked to do a lot. So those are terrifying. And that's what led to the Travis Homer and DJ Dallas snaps 
was can Walker just can't be a good pass blocker. And I think that's somewhere where Charbonnet shines. Yeah, and we, we talked about, you know, Charbonnet. We both liked him as, as a prospect. I, I would say that he was probably just pre-draft, like my third or fourth running back in this class. Um, it would have been an, a fight between him and, and Tajay Spears for me. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I liked him last year, too, when we all thought he was going to come out um, in the NFL draft and then didn't uh, wish he would have because he probably would have ended up not with Kenneth Walker. Like if he would have went into a place where he he could have been the, the clear lead guy, he probably would be a top six or eight pick in in this dynasty in this dynasty class, I think. But yeah, like Charbonnet as a player, too. So not just a situation where it's like, oh, great draft capital. He's going to get great usage. Look, no, we we like the player here, too, which yeah is a little. A little problematic. Uh, yeah. If you had Kenneth. landed somewhere like the Bucks, he probably would have been a top six fantasy pick without yep. a doubt. Yep, absolutely. Uh, just because I have a couple more names on here um, in case we overlapped. Some honorable mention winners, Tony Pollard, uh, Geno Smith, I agree with you there. Uh, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, just because they have a real quarterback and a, a good coach, good offensive coach there at this point. Uh, some other losers for me, Dawson Knox with the arrival of Dalton Kincaid. And then kind of low-key, no one's really talking about because everyone loves draft capital. Cam Akers, kind of a, a mini loser for me in this draft. I think we're both pretty big Zach Evans guys here. So that I, I think Evans, I think people are maybe underrating what he could do this year and potentially what he could do in the future with Cam Akers being an expiring this year. Yeah, I also had Ramondre Stevenson as uh, another potential winner that mm-hmm. we didn't list. Uh, no one drafted in that backfield uh, and recommitment to having a real offensive coordinator. I know that wasn't part of the draft, but big deal there. It's still nice. Yes, still nice. All right, let's get to our top 12, our dynasty top 12. And to be clear, this is one quarterback format, not super flex. Um, and the name kind of speaks for itself. Half point scoring is is what we're going with here. Number one, Dalton, no surprises between either of us. I'm assuming Bijan Robinson. He goes to the Falcons. Obviously, Bijan, a great prospect. And if you were just ranking landing spots, probably got one of the best of anybody in this draft. And he has top 10 draft capital. So great offensive line, great draft capital, a coach who wants to run the ball. All of it kind of adds together to great, great stuff for Bijan in the future. I think the only questions... Um, not relative to his ranking in this class, relative to his ranking this season and beyond just from a broader fantasy perspective are, can the offense be good enough to produce touchdowns and how much of his 20 to 25 touches a game that he will probably get are going to be receptions? How, how involved are they able to get him in the passing game? But neither of those things matter in relation to this class. He is the clear number one, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're watching training camp storylines, but he's being split out wide as a receiver, just like every other running back, every other training camp season. Uh, yeah. No, but it, it's an amazing landing spot for him. Uh, a, a, again, like, I still don't know what the Falcons are really doing here. I ne- no one ever advocates taking a running back this high, no matter how talented they are. And then you have Tyler Algier, who down the stretch last year was a very capable rookie. He led the NFL in 40-yard runs, which I don't think is a very sticky statistic, but it still shows there's some burst to his game. Uh, and, I mean, they're recommitting to, like, running the ball 40 times a game. I think that's pretty clear. And I think Arthur Smith just wants to treat him like he treated Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Uh, 
You know, Bijan Robinson was about to lose it back in college football last year. He's going to get his work. This is a good offensive line. They have a good defense. Uh, I mean, they were down three scores last year in a game, and they still were running the ball first and second down. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any questions about workload potential here. I think Bijan Robinson's easily a top 10 running back for fantasy purposes. He's probably a top 12 pick for most people. Uh, I don't think there's a lot to say about him. I don't think there's anybody out there who's questioning whether or not he's a good player. No, definitely not. And then Jameer Gibbs, too, for me. I'm assuming we're, we're in lockstep there. Yeah. We kind of mentioned it with with the Lions conversation earlier. But the draft capital is overwhelming. We both like the player as well. Nobody expected him to be, what was it, a 12th pick in the 12th draft? Pick. No, Nobody saw that coming. But explosive player can hopefully be what they wanted Swift to be in that offense, can run between the tackles. Maybe he'll be more trusted in that regard. I do worry that people are going to overvalue him a bit and redraft because Montgomery is still there. And although he is a loser um, from a fantasy value perspective, he is still going to have value and, and take away from Gibbs a little bit in this offense, I think, but in dynasty, I'm all in as like a top 15, top 12 yeah. running back in dynasty right now. And obviously he can improve that if he actually proves to be as good as he was in college, because he, he is a sure fun player. Yeah, I mean, he's running behind the second or the first best offensive line in football. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he has a very clear path to targets with the Jamison Williams suspension. It's Amron St. Brown. And then, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of buzz around him, but Laporta seems to be like a very good pick as well. And then there, there's yeah, no can, one in that receiving room. Can we just, I, I love Laporta. I considered him, <laughs> I, I considered him in this top 12. Ultimately, he's like uh, one of the first guys left out for me. But, Please, people, don't like go crazy about him looking like clearly the best player in, in rookie minicamp. Mini he should be. He's like the highest pick. Who's there? Like is Gibbs? Is Gibbs even there? I don't. No, even, Gibbs is yeah. Gibbs is there. So like yeah, he should be clearly the best player. He was the highest drafted player of anybody who's there. Like it's not if he's clearly the best player in training camp. Then okay, I I, I surrender yeah. to that. No, <laughs> uh, which really sucks because he was one of my favorite underdog draft picks, and he's still yeah. rocking it up to like tight end fourteen, and it's probably going to keep going up because of these storylines. Um, but yeah, the path targets very clear for Jameer Gibbs, mm-hmm. and then Ben Johnson. I was very surprised he didn't become a head coach this offseason. He's the offensive coordinator for the Lions, and I think he's probably a popular candidate to be one this year. Um, but he's a very creative play caller. He gets Amron St. Brown really good looks. I'm sure the same thing is being envisioned for Jameer Gibbs is to give him interesting looks and to use him out the backfield in good ways. So very excited. Lions are going to be one of the fun teams to watch this year. I think defense is going to be kind of good. Offense is going to put up a lot of numbers again and can't wait to see what they do. They really took a gamble, not adding any more receivers. See what I did there? Gamble. I do. Um, <laughs> Jameson Williams might never play down in the NFL. Just going to say it now. Oh gosh. I don't think we've had a show since that happened that yeah, not, not the best track record, not probably not the longest track record of guys who have had one reception through their first, I guess it'll be 24 potential or 23 potential NFL games. Uh, really going is is two of your favorite NFL wide receivers have been suspended. For <laughs> I know. Except Jamison was was one of my favorite prospects. He hasn't really he hasn't done anything in the NFL to be one of my favorite NFL receivers. But yeah, oh. that is uh, uh, he and Ridley. Yeah. All right. Oh, thank God I didn't draft Jamison and then have back back years <laughs> with with Ridley and Jamison. 
All right, number three. Uh, I think this is where we're actually going to differ. I you're going to have Jordan Addison, aren't you? No, I don't. Do, oh. do you have JSN number three? I do have JSN. Okay, so I have JSN four. Um, you can talk about JSN for a minute if you want. We can do that and, and go to my three. But yeah, I, I think three and four. It was a real toss up for me. I obviously have no issue if anybody's ranking him three, which I think most everybody is. Yeah, I mean, a little depressed about the landing spot because, I, I mean, he is the third best wide receiver on this team between mm-hmm. DK and Tyler Lockett. Uh, interestingly enough, he's going ahead of Tyler Lockett in underdog drafts. So uh, it's going to really? be another year. Yeah, uh. it's just going to be another year of talking about Tyler Lockett being incredibly underrated because he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he fits in well here because DK and Lockett can play on the outside. Just because Lockett's small doesn't mean he's a spot-only receiver. Yeah. Um, so he has a good fit in this role. I think he has like a 700 to 850 yard season and probably finishes somewhere as like the top 36 this year. But best separator in the class, best route runner in the class. Uh, I mean, there's very few players who can put up like 250 yards in a game. Mm-hmm. And then he, just like Jameson was a year ago, he's getting discounted a little bit because he played in such a loaded receiving room um, between Marvin Harrison Jr., Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. I mean, there's so many good players at that Ohio State team that he never had a chance to shine, and then he gets injured. Uh, but Brian Hartline is probably one of the best developers for the wide receiver position at Ohio State and is definitely sending another guy to the NFL. The, the only questions about this from a long-term format are what the Seahawks are going to do at quarterback. There's an mm-hmm. obvious out from Geno Smith after this year, so depending on their success. Uh, and then going forward, I mean, there is going to be a decline. Tyler Lockett is entering his age 31 season. He's getting up there in age. Uh, DK Metcalf just got extended. So JSN will be a perennial wide receiver two for a while. at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I, I think those those two factors you mentioned are part of the tiebreaker that pushed him down to four. Like, I, I think he's the safest bet in this class at receiver. Um he's going to be a top 15 to 20 guy in the future. There's just no doubt in my mind. And his upside is probably higher than that, but his situation is a little bit crowded for the time being, even though, yeah, they're going to run through receiver stuff. I think with Waldron, he's going to have probably a pretty good rookie year, but he just doesn't have quite the opportunity that a couple other guys have this year. And then long-term, yeah, the quarterback stuff is a little uncertain right now. Like I don't know how long, much longer Gino is going to be there. And, for as much Gino may be a top five quarterback in the NFC, but he is probably also <laughs> like a the 17th best quarterback in, in the NFL, so, something like that. So, you know, good enough to, to be good for fantasy, but he doesn't have like he's not playing with Justin Herbert, he's not playing with you know Jalen Hurts, he's not playing with Patrick Mahomes or anything like that by any means. And then even after Lockett is gone, DK Metcalf obviously is still there, so he's not he could maybe pass DK as the number one in this offense, but. He's not probably ever going to be the clear number one, and it's more likely than not that he'll probably be the the one B to DK's one A. So those are just kind of the pitfalls. But yeah, he can operate out of the slot. He's his way into the league by having great matchups he can take advantage of this year, and then probably move around more without Lockett in the fold in the future. Love JSN as a prospect. I like the landing spot from a long term perspective probably more than than others, but it was a a factor in me going with uh, my guy, Zay Flowers, at at number three. I think, to me, again, JSN is the safest. I think Zay Flowers has the most upside of anybody at receiver in this class. He proved he can play all three spots in college, which I I love that. There's not many guys in this draft class that that have that. A lot of these receivers are – 
kind of pigeonholed into doing certain things, and not a lot of them are as well-rounded as Zay is, despite the fact that he's like tiny. But he the the difference, like he can't get the, the separation in the short field, short stuff is probably not quite as good as JSN, but where he does do better than JSN is he can get open down the field, can separate down the field on deep stuff better than JSN, more explosive player down the field. I, I think, and I know, I know people don't like the Baltimore landing spot because the Ravens just have the reputation of being a bad passing offense, but we both expressed optimism uh, for that passing offense. And at the very least, one guy has Lamar Jackson and one guy has Geno Smith and a question mark at quarterback. So that, that is a factor for me as well. Odell, probably only a factor in the short term. And Rashad Bateman, though we both love him, has yet to prove himself in the NFL because of injuries. So I think it's right there for Zay to be the number one receiver with an MVP throwing him the ball for, for years to come. Yeah, so I actually have Zay at five, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think – it's just a little bit different in our floor to ceiling comparisons of the two players. Uh, so, I mean, with Zay, I love the idea of Todd Monk and calling the plays. We talked about him at the top of the show, so I'm not going to repeat all of that. And he was the second best separator in the class. If you go back to listen to last year's show, we talked about separation being one of the most indicative and sticky traits mm-hmm. from college to the NFL. Uh, one player who wasn't a good separator was Traylon Burks. Uh, big surprise. He's not doing great in the NFL right now. Uh, and he played with total scrubs and still had like a 1400 yard receiving season. Like he was playing games when Boston college was bowl eliminated. He's a, like, he's legitimately a good player. Um, he's fast and he's quick. My concerns with this are one, uh, Jim Harbaugh. I understand like the change of Todd Munkin is good, but if this passing offense doesn't turn out how they want it to be in year one, I'm really con- like concerned he's going to go back to a Greg Roman style offense. He, he's really like in his old ways. They stuck with that Greg Roman offense for so long, despite Lamar proving himself as a passer pretty early in his career. Uh, and then again, like Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews are there. And I think they're going to have significant target competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no offense to Zay Flowers, but earning those targets is going to be difficult because I think both those guys are really good NFL players. And the reason I put Jordan Addison above him is year one, especially like there's going to be a huge huge hole open for him. Yeah, I, I think production. so I, I have Addison at five and I think he's probably pretty clearly the top ranked rookie receiver in redraft for this year. Like I, I think that's pretty clear. So he's at four for you, five for me, Jordan Addison. Yeah, Jordan Addison's four for me. And I mean, just with him, like Adam Thielen ran the second most routes on the team last year. It's a huge open door. And there, I mean, there are games where Justin Jefferson is bracketed by a safety and two cornerbacks, and <laughs> like KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen couldn't do anything to get open. Uh-huh. Uh, and then this team went out and got TJ Hawkinson just because they needed another weapon in the passing game because no one was doing anything for him. And then Hawkinson had like a couple of over 100 yard games. Um, and I think Jordan Addison's even better than that. Like he can be a good flanker, he can be a good slot guy. So he fits in two roles that this offense needs. Kevin O'Connell wants to pass the ball. The issue was last year he couldn't pass the ball because of where this team was at. And then, like, Kirk Cousins is still going to have those, like, three, 400-yard games every year. He's not the greatest quarterback, but he's definitely above average when it comes to passing and a way better spot landing than a lot of these guys. And then, I mean, he, he was a blink cloth winner a year ago with a, yeah. what is now an NFL quarterback. Like, just because the guy weighs 179 pounds doesn't mean we need to just cut him out right away. And I think he's getting discounted for size as well. Well, and a lot of my concerns um, with him as a player 
are alleviated because he does not have to be a number one guy. Like you worry about how he would do lining up on the outside against number one cornerbacks. But obviously, as long as Justin Jefferson is healthy, he will never see a number one cornerback matched up across from him. And if he does, it's just foolish but on, on, on the defense's part. Like, and even KJ Osborne, not that he's anything more than just a, an average NFL player, but he's big enough that he can line up on the outside as well. And they can really move ass and around in the slot and give him great matchups. And, and he can be the kind of layup guy for Kirk cousins, I think, and, and get open with, with his route running, which he's not, the greatest 40 guy that that's not, he's not a burner in that way, but he's very explosive out of his bricks, a very good route runner, very technically sound. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that comes in and translates very well immediately. And I could very easily see him being the Devonta Smith to the AJ Brown in this offense and then different types of players, but the T Higgins to the Jamar chase where like, he's the one B at receiver and, that is good for top 24 seasons for, for years to come in this offense. I know Kirk Cousins is probably not around like super long-term, but you just kind of have to hope that they can at least put in decent quarterbacks because they're, they're going to be, you would think, in, in, win, in win mode with a guy like Jefferson uh, on their roster. So, yeah, I, I love the landing spot for him. It alleviates a lot of the concerns I had. Um, because he is going to be able to absolutely destroy defenses in the slot and be a matchup nightmare for other teams. Yeah, and I think out of every wide receiver, he's the safest one to put as a top 24 potential. Uh, I think he has the best landing spot of anybody in the draft for the wide receiver position. He's never going to get pressed. I mean, they're never going to press him. He's always going to get one-on-one matchups, and all he has to do is run his routes effectively. He had the third-best three-cone speed in this draft as well, mm-hmm. and I think that's just that's how explosive he is. I don't think 40 times are as indicative as the 10-cones drills are for wide receivers, but very exciting landing spot, and Kevin O'Connell is definitely a really good coach and is going to use him for years to come. And this is the same GM that evaluated really well that Justin Jefferson was a steal at 23, and I think I think Addison's in about the same vein as a steal where he went. Mm-hmm. So right now on Fantasy Pros – he is wide receiver 39. Uh, by my eye, he's the top rookie that, that I see on this list. Um, but honestly, you can easily make the argument to move him up at least at least two spots. Like I would pretty safely put him above Cortland Sutton. I would like even if Sutton Sutton could have a better year, I would just much rather take a shot on the upside of Addison. And then George Pickens, I think I would have Addison uh, above Pickens as well. And he is right there with Jahan Dotson, if you do that. And I think that's pretty apt because those guys are fairly similar yeah, players. I, so. um, I agree. In, in my mind, similar tier of talent, maybe not, you know, the same in all of their strengths and weaknesses. But yeah, we both love the landing spot for Addison. Number six, are, are we both to our six at this point? Yeah, I wonder if we're going to diverge here or not. No, these are one, I, Q, these are one QB rankings. Yeah, but we—I think we definitely have. Okay. If our if our rookie draft is any indication, where we both tried to trade the farm, <laughs> yes. and we did for for Anthony Richardson. I think we both have uh, him at six, right? Yeah, yeah, we both have him at six. Then, so we talked about him a little bit as a prospect a month ago. We were, you know, being a little coy because we had the rookie draft coming up. But I think if you really paid close attention, you could probably tell that we liked him the best of these three quarterbacks. And even in a one quarterback league, I think this is a guy that you you take as early as six in in your rookie draft. And honestly, if you want to take him earlier, depending on your team and and whatever, I think you can easily make that argument as well. 
I said this last time, he's not raw, he's inexperienced. And I've, it's funny, I hadn't heard that anywhere before that, not that I'm like saying the trend, but I have heard people say that since. So I feel better about that take because I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen smart people like Matt Harmon, Matt Waldman, um, I think someone on Underdog, I can't remember who it was, um, said that as well. So the smart people are saying that. Shane Steichen just had great success with Jalen Hurts. Not that these are, again, the same player, but you like – I mean, they're um, pretty damn similar. They, 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 they are pretty similar. Richardson is probably just more physically talented than than Hertz, and and Hertz is, on the contrary, obviously a lot more experienced as a football player and is able to make the reads that that Richardson probably just is not yet. But yeah, long term, like he and Jonathan Taylor are both going to help each other out a lot. I think he's going to help out Taylor because the the running QB usually helps the the running back just have more room to run that that threat although richardson may take away some touchdowns but you know kind of offset there hopefully and then just the threat of the run game with jonathan taylor i think a lot of like play action play action boots get get him moving in the pocket i think that'll be a nice match with also michael Pittman, and then like nice role players in, in alec pierce and who is the other guy? I can't think of who else I just added. At, at Josh Downs. Time. Josh Downs, yeah. Josh Downs, not in my top 12, but I do like Downs as a role player and slot guy in that offense. Like, to me, Richardson has the upside to be a top five fantasy quarterback for years to come and probably an even higher upside than that because of his rushing ability. You know, the dude rushed for over 100 yards and, like, three touchdowns against Utah in a game last year. And just his, his tantalizing skills as a passer, great arm strength, can make every throw and made more mature reads as a quarterback than I think consensus would have you believe. Yeah. Um, and as Evan alluded to, I, I, I too have a huge Anthony Richardson stand definitely sold a lot of future assets just to acquire him <laughs> in our dynasty league because somebody in this podcast won't name names bid me up. Significantly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, we have a short memory in the NFL, which is, is good and bad. Um, and part of that short memory is in August of last year, the Colts were the favorite to win the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very complete team. Richardson is walking into that most rookie quarterbacks don't get the opportunity to walk into. Like the Texans and the Panthers are far from complete. The Colts are a lot closer to being complete. They have at least a, like a top 16 offensive line. Like they're not bottom of the pack. And they have, although they probably, were not, although they were not good last year, no. they hopefully they're in for a little bit of a bounce back this year. I think quarterbacks like Matt Ryan holding the ball for 12 seconds really impacts yeah. uh, your offensive line play. And then the weapons, like you said, are just absurdly good already. I mean, Michael Pittman has proven like he's a top 24 receiver in the league. Alec Pierce is a good deep threat going into his second year. And Josh Downs is probably one of the favorite slot guys in a really slot-heavy class. Mm-hmm. And then you have just freaks at tight end in Jelani Woods and Boale Cox. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jonathan Taylor is there as well. I mean, this is a very athletic team. And this they're is a run the ball around the field. The the I I really need a picture with Anthony Richardson and all of the weapons because they are all very physically imposing. And then yes. you have Josh Downs, who's like five foot seven, very small, like that. That that's a very funny visual I just had in my head. But yeah, they they have some studs across the board on offense. Yeah, and developmentally, you already hit it on Shane Steichen, who helped develop Jalen Hurts. Uh, but, I mean, digging a little deeper into their coaching tree, they have Cam Turner on the roster. Cam Turner coached Cam Newton uh, from 2015 to 2017, which was also his Super Bowl years. And 
I'm not going to say they're the same player, but they profile very similarly coming out of college. And then Cam Turner went on and coached Kyler Murray. So he has good experience with quarterbacks with cannons of arms and athletic ability. I would say other than Cam, this is probably the most athletic guy he's coached. Uh, And then on top of that, like you said, he's not bad. He's just inexperienced. Like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young spent like since age eight going to Peyton Manning passing camps. Anthony Richardson didn't play the position until like his junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And he still got division one offers in the sec and played at a good level and also played in like one of the jankiest go route offenses in the nfl um yeah. so if we're willing to like ignore we being the fantasy community justin fields horrific passing numbers in the nfl that i think we can give anthony richardson the same pass uh for a collegiate offense that also underutilized guys like david pierce and Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Number seven. I, I think we're probably going to be in lockstep here. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, is he your seven? Yeah. Yeah. So both big uh, Kincaid guys here. He's an amazing receiving tight end. Clearly the best receiving tight end in this class. There are other parts of his game that you can argue need to be improved, that other guys do better. But the good news, Dalton, is I think the Bills draft them to be a receiver. Um, given the capital they they use to to get this guy and who they already have in Dawson Knox you can legitimately see him being used in like that Kyle Pitts and I hate to even say the name but Travis Kelsey type of way not that he's those guys but just that type of way where he moves around is not you know lines up on the outside in the slot is just a true receiver he could be the wide receiver too very very easily on this offense. I mean, you have Gabriel Davis who is entering the final year of his deal. And we definitely saw his warts as a player last year. Neither of us were, uh, I would say Gabe Davis truthers. We were both uh, right in the middle on Davis last year. I think we both ended up being proven right. He's a big play guy who can do some good things for your real life football team and your fantasy team. But I don't think he can be your number two on a weekend week out basis in your pass offense, uh, or if he is, that puts a lot of pressure on Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen to, to make a lot of magic happen. I think Kincaid, you know, he may have some growing pains because every tight end pretty much has growing pains early on, but I love, love the landing spot for Kincaid. I really don't care how much dead money Dawson Knox would be if they, if they were away from him or whatever, but, but yeah, I, I love Kincaid as a player, love the landing spot. And if you're in like a tight end premium, fantasy league you can make the argument for him to go pretty high in in your rookie draft yeah i'm kind of already fed up with like a lot of the talk around dalton kincaid with dynasty twitter like a lot of it is just well he's 24 years old yeah Um, and and he's two years older than kyle pitts is already which i mean first of all tight ends just have a higher shelf life like last year's accurate was on par to be like a top five tight end in fantasy football before towards ACL. Travis Kelsey's obviously still doing it. Darren Waller is in his 30s. Like all of these guys have higher shelf lives. It also took Travis Kelsey, who came into the league at 24, three years to be good at the tight end position. Yeah. And I think anybody can agree he was probably one of the best dynasty assets you could have on your roster going forward. Um it's it's like a really cheap narrative to compare him to Travis Kelsey, but the Bills also have like gotten torched by Travis Kelsey in the playoffs. Well, and, and the Bills themselves, like we've seen the talk coming yeah. out of there. It's like we're going to use it. But he's going to be our Travis Kelsey. Like that. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying he's Kelsey. I'm definitely I'm a you know Chiefs fan here. Not saying he's Kelsey. He'll never be as good as Kelsey. But if he can be seventy five percent 
Travis Kelsey, maybe, which is still very, very good. Like that, you're looking at a guy who can probably be a top three tight end for for years to come, and that's valuable, even if it's only for six years. Six years is a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have a team entering like the the difficult cap navigation space that is having an elite quarterback, mm-hmm. wasting draft capital, get ahead of the Dallas Cowboys, who I think everybody thinks is probably going to take. Dalton Kincaid, yeah. just based on the Bills jumping them. Well, and uh, the and the Bengals, I think, wanted yeah. Kincaid too. It sounded like. Yeah, so um, jump by both teams. First, tied it off the board in a very talented class, uh, and I mean, he's just had the receiving chops. He might have dropped a little bit because he didn't get to test his pro day because of an injury. Yeah, but back injury. Uh, yeah, I think everybody's in agreement. The guy's a stud. Going forward, I think he's the second receiving option on this Bills team. We'll see how long that takes. I mean, two years ago, people were calling Kyle Pitts' rookie season a failure to get over a thousand yards. Yeah, I think Kincaid has that potential. I think we're more likely to see like an 856 touchdown season, which is still like a top six tight end season from a rookie. Uh, and then physically, the guy's huge, and Josh Allen needs somebody in the red zone. Uh, hot take for the season is going to be the Bills try to get Josh Allen to run the ball less and try to go heavy personnel with him, which. Help they should. Kincaid and Dawson Knox. Yeah, and inline blocker. Yeah, and Kincaid, I think, is already the second best uh, after the catch guy on this team, better than Davis, better than Shakir, and yeah. and behind Diggs. And then you, know, you just wonder, Diggs is I don't have it in front of me, 29, 30, somewhere in that range. Like maybe Diggs has two more years as the the alpha number one, but maybe in two years, Kincaid is the top guy uh, for Josh Allen in this offense, and. You know, we we kind of see it with the Chiefs when you lose your your alpha number one wide receiver and Stefan Diggs or in Tyree Kill. It's not just straight like it's hard to go find a new number one receiver. So, like, you could very easily see Kincaid being the most valuable pass catcher on this team in, in two, three years. Yeah, and I don't want to call him a copycat, but Brandon Bean is like an incredibly talented and smart GM, and he's fine looking at the other top offenses in the league and emulating what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think if he thinks that the Bills can do what the Chiefs are doing by having a rotation at receiver and then a stud at tight end, they'll do it because tight end is cheaper to pay yep, from exactly. a cap perspective. Um, I mean, that's getting really into the weeds. And we, we uh, obviously, Kincaid has to be a hit for that to even exist. Mm-hmm. But for that to be in the range of outcomes for a player, I think is something – that you should consider when you're drafting this high end rookie draft, especially when you're in the second half of this, where every guy is going to have their, their potholes and their come ups. So yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. Yep. All right. Number eight. Uh, who do you have there? Uh, I'm sure there are people like at home screaming that we haven't said his name yet, but I, I think this is finally where like, I would feel comfortable with Quentin Johnston. Okay. Uh, I have him at nine. So that same ball okay. here. Uh, I mean, this is probably one of the best fits for him because developmentally he needs time. I don't think getting thrust into a role is going to be good for him. They're, they're clear, like come ups to his game and he's probably the most polarizing topic or player in this draft. Yeah. Uh, the chargers very clearly needed like a big play yak guy, um, not a downfield threat. Cause Mike Williams does that, but Keenan Allen and Mike Williams do not get yards after the catch. Eckler's coming into his 29 year old season. He's not going to have much more left to take when it comes to that. And that's what he excels at the most. Uh, he's a hand clapper, which is an issue, unless you're that one guy on Twitter who just tweets the one picture of him not clapping <laughs> his hands at training camp. Um, but that that's something that can be worked on. He's obviously going to be tied to an elite quarterback for the next five years of his career, yep. which is always something good to look for. I think his rookie season is going to be very similar to what we saw with Traylon Burks, 
where there's going to be a lot of come-ups in his game, but I, I guarantee you he's going to have two or three of those, like, three catches, 100 yards, and two touchdown games or something like that, and all of his stands come out on Twitter. Um, but he's one of those players that you're going to have to just look at a little deeper and see if he's improving as a route runner, if he's improving with the point of contact and catch. And if he can do those things, then he he might be the steal of any of your rookie drafts because he very likely could come out as like the best weapon in this draft and be like yeah. a Calvin Johnson or Andre Johnson type player with his size and after the catch ability. But he's just really weird because he doesn't play big, but yeah. he is big. He plays like he's a smaller guy. Yeah, like Zay, like I said, I think I said this last time. Zay Flowers plays bigger than him. Yeah. Like he's an eleven percent contested catch catch rate. Yeah, like it's, it's absurd for a guy that's six three. So definitely, some he, he, he has the Chase Claypool like I jump when I don't need to yeah. on on the deep ball stuff. So yeah, if he can get some of that stuff sorted out and become both a yak guy and a deep threat, then like look out, this guy could definitely be be very 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 good in this offense but yeah there are enough questions that i think he he gets pushed down past some of the sure things but the upside very clearly there so my number eight i went bryce young i i know he's small but man bryce young is really good i i have concerns of you know mainly related to the size but i think he's proven enough in college has enough uh good stuff to his game that you should still take him off the board uh, pretty pretty early in the latter part of of the first round the Panthers we've mentioned it um with with the Colts but I think the Panthers have a pretty good looking offensive line there too he has Frank Reich now who I, I think is going to dial up some some nice plays for him and his offense and he has not a receiving core that you love but you like Mingo and you like his upside probably and then just guys like Adam Thielen um our guy, you know, DJ Chark, he he's relocated. He's uh, he's in Carolina. He's got a family. He's relocated. I'm starting to add personal details to this. <laughs> so, like, I, I think those things are going to help Young probably right away this year, get acclimated quicker. He has those veteran guys who know how to play the position. And then I, I just like the setup with a good offensive line, and they can continue hopefully to find more more weapons at receiver and running back down the road. But yeah, Bryce Young to me is going to be a very fun watch because man, he, he does a lot of off script stuff that I question a little bit how much he can do from college to NFL with, with better pass rushes coming in, but also he's going to make a lot of plays that get a lot of people excited in the NFL. Yeah. And I had Bryce Young at nine. So I, I agree with you um, on a lot of that. I mean, obviously and it's been beaten down into us. The size is always concerned, but the coaching staff who traded a bevy of picks and players. Yeah, yeah like, they gave um, up a lot. Bryce yeah. Young has to work. Otherwise, they may yeah. uh, there may be some guys losing their jobs in three years there. Yeah, and I mean, everybody, like, it, it's not like he went to the combine and tested and was suddenly short or anything, and there were lifts in his shoes. Like, everybody knew he was going to be a short player. You're going to work around that. Uh, Frank Reich got fired from the Colts in a situation that I think was completely out of his control mm-hmm. with an organization that was rotating quarterback for him. And he was having to install an offense with a new quarterback every off season. And he was just retreading a lot of these guys in the NFL who, who sucked or were on the end of their careers, like Phillip rivers, Nick Foles and Matt Ryan were some of his starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, I think he Car- very, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Carson Wentz. And then before that, when he actually had a good quarterback in Andrew Luck, he was installing a very, very good offense. Granted, Andrew Luck was like a 
amazing story. Um, but I think he's going to do the same here. Like you said, his receiving options don't like stand out, but they're also guys who played in the NFL for a while and are going to do the small things, right? Like they're going to run the right route. They're not going to leave them off topic. Like DJ Chark and Adam Thielen for, you know, being on their second and third teams are definitely players who understand the NFL game and are good building blocks for Bryce Young to figure out the NFL mm-hmm. game. This offensive line's pretty good. Brian Cross last year is one of the better guards in this in this league. Uh, very excited going forward. I think, you know, he was the first pick in the draft for a reason. A team went out and traded for him significantly, and those are things you can't ignore. And those are evaluations that I think the teams really stick to. So, obviously, very excited for him. And the guy has legs, too. Like, he's not going to be stuck behind yeah. the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. He can uh, add a little bit of value with, with the rushing, for sure. All right, number 10. I put Tajay Spears here. Dalton, is Tajay Spears in your top 12? Is, is he around this spot, or do you have him, have him off this list altogether? No, I have him as an uh, HO honorable mention. But, <sighs> like, I know I know there are major – like, if Tajay Spears had a clean bill of health, he probably would be, like, my number four or five player in this class because I, I loved Tajay Spears, the player. But you just cannot dismiss the reports about the cartilage loss, arthritis, and just a straight-up missing ACL in, in the one knee. And it's just it's just a big bummer because there's no guarantees, obviously, but it sure feels like there are, there are major concerns that he could be a one-contract guy. And that already, obviously, is a major concern. Then you couple that with he lands with the Titans, which the future, you know, the next – Two or next two years after this year, maybe you like that because Derrick Henry may be gone and he may be the RB one, but you don't love a guy. You don't love that he has to redshirt a year essentially and just be a handcuff when he's already on a on a short short timeline. We think so. Don't love that. But if you're a contender and you you could get a great boost at running back next year, like a top thir- twenty four to thirty type of guy if the situation falls right for Tajay Spears love him as a prospect the long-term outlook may be a little bit bleak and and yeah so it's a complicated evaluation if you're rebuilding team you're not taking Tajay Spears I don't think in the first round but overall I I think for me just the talent has to put him somewhere around this spot yeah and I I think pre-draft we talked about this but I was even considering him top six till a lot of those medical news came out yeah and even with that medical news the Titans took him in the third round which I think is starting to be the second round draft capital for a lot of running backs with the way the NFL is kind of catching up to the position Mm -hmm. um which is good for him the knee stuff is absolutely terrifying but he's also playing right now like at mini camps it's not like he's injured and playing yeah yeah i mean he he, pl- he he played last year and was awesome yeah. at, at Tulane. so yeah it's not yeah. like he's coming off of an acl tear but incredibly talented back uh gets a little bit of a deduction from logo scouts who are looking at him playing mid-tier but even when he played like a really good defense like k-state he had a great game against them and they even went on to play alabama so clearly he like, he, he also thing. usc's defense was bad but he destroyed usc yeah in the bowl game what was the reason why they beat USC in yeah. in that bowl game and he's a guy that if you're a highlight guy which which I, I enjoy going and watching highlights of these guys he is going to pop as a guy who makes plays got great speed and he is a great cutter in open field like he yeah. he is just a fun watch so yeah a bummer to have him here but I think I think it's tough to get him much higher with with everything uh Dalton so who's your number 10 
I went running back here as well, but I went with Kendrick Miller, okay. uh, who I, I'm pretty excited about for a few reasons. One, I think we can all agree at this point, Alvin Kamara is going to get suspended, especially with a lot of the, the information coming out around that, that he followed the guy to the elevator and punched him. I'm not going to litigate that here. Someone else can in a courtroom. But I think he's going to get suspended. Alvin Kamara is getting up there in age as well. And then the team went out and signed Jamal Williams, who's heading into his age 28 season, who I think you and I agree does things well, but he's not like a standalone killer player. Mm-hmm. He had 17 touchdowns last year because the Lions gave him the ball at the one-yard line every chance they got. Um, maybe this year he works his way into that as a late-season bloomer, but it's an offense that's still trying to compete, still has weapons, and Derek Carr has been a guy who's willing to throw it to his running backs. Um, and then I think Kendrick Miller, skill-wise, is, is a pretty complete back. And if we see an injury to Jamal Williams or a longer suspension for Alvin Kamara, he can step in and the Saints will comfortably let him take that three-down role. Yeah, um, I, I do think he he still has a little bit of work to do as a pass catcher, but no no reason to think that he can't, can't get there and, and as a blocker as well. But, yeah, you know, I like Miller with a different landing spot. I would have probably had him top 12. That's kind of a theme to me. Um, in these rankings, I only have three running backs in my top 12 could have had as many as like five or six if the landing spots were right. And that was probably the pre three, then the, the, the pre-draft ranks. Like, I think we probably both would have had five or six guys, but it's just a lot of the landing spots didn't work out for these guys. And the landing spot, it's complicated for Miller. Like if we find out bad news about Camara and Miller is elevated quicker. I would probably put Miller in my top 12. I just think there is a, a also a non-zero chance that this ends up being like a redshirt year for, for Miller. And then even past this year, it's like, well, maybe Kamara gets, what if he gets six games and then he's just their running back this year and next year. And then you're just looking at a couple years of Miller being, being second and this year, maybe even third fiddle and next year, maybe second fiddle behind Camara. So I think that downside exists, but as a player, yeah, I, I, I like him. And if the situation falls right, he's a, a top 12 talent in this class to me, no doubt. And, you know, number 11 for me, and the, that reasoning with running back is why I have a third. Oh, Tajay. Tajay. Number 11 for me, CJ Stroud. And that, you know, I know it's only one quarterback, but I really think you should probably have three quarterbacks go in, in the first round um, with the questions at the running back position in this class with landing spots. Like I have the lowest of these three quarterbacks, obviously, but I do I like him as a prospect a lot. We talked about that uh, a month or so ago. My concerns um, with him as compared to like Bryce Young, I think the situation that Young walks into is a little bit better, you know, better offensive line, an offensive minded head coach and the receivers while talented in, in Houston with like a John Mechie, uh, Tank Dell and, uh, Nico Xavier Collins Hutchinson. and Xavier Hutchinson, they haven't really proven much uh, collectively in the NFL. Yeah, Dalton Schultz, I think he's just a guy. Um, Robert Robert Woods, obviously a veteran, uh, kind of fits in that Adam Thielen mold, so maybe he'll be a helpful addition there. But I just have more questions about the short-term and long-term situation than I do in Carolina. And just slightly more questions about Stroud as a prospect. Like I like him. I think he's a you know going to be a perennial top seven to 10 quarterback once he finds his footing in the league. And thank God we have three guys that I think can be top, top 10 quarterbacks because we saw last year, once he got past like QB six or seven, we needed some more guys, some more reliable 
fantasy weapons. It's not going to happen for those guys this year, most likely, but in the future, it's great to have more strength at the quarterback position. Yeah, I have CJ Stroud at 12, so I agree with you. First of all, I think with this draft, especially the quarterbacks were one of the stronger positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think three should be going in one quarterback. Uh, there, I just have a lot of hangups. Like, first of all, everybody's calling that Cardinals trying to steal because there's still a really good shot that the Texans suck this year because their roster is so incomplete. And they have oh, the, 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 the trade that for Will Richardson, you mean? Yeah. 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 Um, that and so D'Amico Ryan's the head coach. Obviously, he comes from San Francisco and is a really offensive or defensive minded guy, which never bodes well for a quarterback going out. Um, then I jump their offensive coordinator also is a defensive minded guy. It's Ben Slowlick. He spent his entire career on the defensive side of the ball until 2019 when he became a passing game coordinator for the Niners. And then he goes on to become their passing game specialist in 2022. Uh, I also am not super high up on this offense being a good transition to the Shanahan offense. They don't have the yak guys they need. Like we, we just listed their entire wide receiver core. I think this team is a year too off from competing offensively well. So I just think it's going to be a roughy and bump, bumpy ride for CJ Stroud. And that just introduces a lot of randomness in it, especially with the front office that really doesn't seem like they know what they want half the time. And they're really hit or miss on what they're doing. I mean, this is a team that could have had Bryce Young. And for whatever reason, Lovey Smith went out there and played the best <laughs> game the Texans could have played to end the season last year against the Bears. Yeah. Um, so uh, cautiously optimistic because C.J. Stroud is a really good player. But I, I do think this is a very bad landing spot for multiple reasons. Uh, and the, the only bright spot is that he gets Larry Tunsil at the left tackle spot. Yeah, him. and he, he he provides the least with his legs of any of these quarterbacks, obviously less than Richardson and even less so than uh, than Bryce Young. He did finally run the ball in the in the Georgia game that everybody will talk about with Stroud, but by and large, he does not want to run the ball. It doesn't seem like, so there's just a little bit less upside with, with him as a rusher compared to, to Bryce Young, I think. All right, number 12, I have, a, I have a feeling this is going to be a, we both picked our favorite second round wide receiver that we have in our top 12. You have Marvin Mims at 12, right? No, so I really, really? I really considered Marvin Mims. <laughs> Um, and so I'm assuming we have the same guy here now with this no, I, So I Marvin Mims was going to go here. Um, and I obviously really like his talent. He's an honorable mention. Uh, but I think there, there are a few more things need to, to tilt his way than this other guy. And it just makes this player a safer pick. Uh, that player is Jaden Reed. Really? I'm shocked. Sure. Didn't you draft Marvin Mims over Jaden Reed? In our I team? did. I think there's a better ceiling scenario for Marvin Mims. Uh, I mean, Sean Payton has if you look at the guys he's drafted in the top three rounds, they're mm-hmm. all studs. It's like Michael Thomas, Marquise Colston, and whoever the 2007 wide receiver was for the Saints. Yep, and the Broncos but, didn't have a first-round pick, so Marvin Mims was the first-round pick, yeah. the the first pick for, for Sean Payton. Yeah, season. and everybody, it's pretty clear they've been trying to get rid of Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy, just no one's biting. Uh, all those things bode well for Marvin Mims. Mm-hmm. It's it's being attached to Russell Wilson. I, I'm surprised. I I, I thought Jaden. I, I thought we were going to have a Jaden Reed versus Marvin Mims standoff here. But go ahead, give, give your Jaden Reed because that's why I have a 12 as well. Um, I think first of all, like last year, everybody was very excited for Christian Watson, but Jaden Reed goes right in the same spot as Christian Watson did, um, and there's no excitement for him. Uh, I think it's because it's easier to look at a rash sheet and see what how athletic someone is than to look at somebody's like as a technician, which is closer to what Jaden Reed is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to understand how terrible Michigan State's offensive environment was. Their quarterback sucked. 
He sucks so bad that four wide receivers have transferred out of the program this year, including two guys who are projected to be like top 50 picks in the NFL draft when they go. Uh, and Jaden Reed still somehow had a thousand yards in this environment. He is a really good route technician. I think if he played at a team that actually had a good quarterback, he would have gotten much higher in the draft. He would have been talked about as a late first round pick to teams like the chiefs. Um, he gets open against press and man coverages. I think, Overall, like he fits well for the Packers. I think he's a better wide receiver than Christian Watson. He's not a better talent. And I think that he's going to earn that starter job pretty quickly. Now, whether or not Jordan Love is a good quarterback is yet to be seen. But I think Jaden Reed, by the end of the season, will be the guy we're talking about as a wide receiver one in Green Bay. Yeah, and the Packers don't have a large commitment to Love. He's basically guaranteed for two more years. So they yeah. they can move on fairly quickly if, if they need to with him. But yeah, Jordan Love... Uh, the Jordan love of it all is definitely probably my chief concern with, with Jaden Reed right now. Like, cause otherwise I, I am pretty, I think Reed is a very, very safe prospect and he has upside to, to be even more than, than just safe. He's another guy kind of like Zay flowers played all three positions at, at wide receiver in college did well in all of those areas. And you mentioned his press coverage. So he's above average against both man and zone and Matt Harmon's reception perception. But where he really stands out is he's 80 87th percentile against press. And that's on like pretty solid volume. That's definitely the most impressive part of, of his profile there. Great footwork, great technical skills as a route runner. Those things allow him to, to beat those kinds of coverages. And then you look at the other two guys, like I think Romeo Dubs just – stinks i don't think he's very good he's not i didn't a good, even mention him i forgot <laughs> not a good route runner a very high drop rate very low contested catch rate um not worried about him long term like he could be their wide receiver three and that's fine um be their ex like christian watson um is a freak athlete but does not jump off the page of the route runner by any means slightly below average uh, Harmon has given him the Martavis Bryant comp a lot. I think that's pretty accurate so far. Maybe he, he still is very young, so maybe he could still grow. And he's clearly the most talented, just physically talented of these guys. But to me, like it would not surprise me at all if Jaden Reed was right away the most consistent receiver on this team. And I think he has the upside to be the top guy. And I'll just leave you with this last thing. On Jaden Reed, well, two last things. 64.3% contested catch rate compared to a guy like Romeo Dubs who can't catch anything contested catch rate. So you like that. And then last thing, the closing part of his reception perception profile is this. With his size and some of the route running in his bag, he could find his way into the Terry McLaurin and Stephon Diggs access of smaller separators. So very high praise from Matt Harmon on Jaden Reed. I think he's underrated. We both agree there. And yeah, I... I think it's a tough call between he and Mims at, at 12, but yeah, I, I love Reed as a player and hope that Jordan Love can be good enough to lead him to what his skill set should be in the NFL, which is a top probably 30 ish type of top 24, top 30 ish type of receiver. Yeah. Just to be clear here, uh, the separator between Marvin Mims and Mark and Jake Reed for me was where the organizations are at. And I think that the Packers are more well-established to either bring in a good vet uh, with the Broncos being so tied up in Russell Wilson, if he really does suck and Sean Payton can't fix him, there's going to be like some, some dark days ahead for Denver. Mm -hmm. And there's way more 
like starter eligible snaps ready for Mar- for Jaden Reed than there are yeah. for Marvin Mims. Uh, I, I do think on Marvin Mims before I get out of here, he he's gonna he's the most likely candidate to me on their offense to be on the receiving end of some Russell Wilson rainbow deep shots that I hope uh, come back uh, to, to some effect this year, because I mean, the guy averaged like, what was it like 18 yards of reception in college or something yeah. ridiculous. And he, he, he's just a big play machine. So if Russell Wilson can get right, it could mean great things for Marvin Mims. Well, then I'm just going to give my Marvin memes speech in Texas. He, his final year of high school had 26, 26- hundred receiving yards, which is <laughs> the all-time record in the nation. Like that is insane in and of itself. The list of first round or first or second round wide receivers that Sean Payton has drafted is Robert Beecham, who had several pro seasons, Brandon Cooks, who's been one of the most stellar wide receivers and consistent wide receivers in the NFL, despite multiple teams, Michael Thomas, which for a couple of years was really good. And then he lost his marbles and then Marvin Mims. Uh, so very excited about that. Sean Payton's stamp on the offense looks to be Marvin Mims, so he thinks he's something special. Uh, Matt Harmon, his comp was T.Y. Hilton, which I think would be a really successful uh, connection with Russell Wilson if they figure out that deep ball again, like you said. Uh, and then just the last thing on Marvin Mims is I, I was really confused as why he was so not talked about in this draft class considering what he did at Oklahoma under multiple offensive coordinators yeah. uh, and his average up the target is insane. So he has that big playability for sure. Yep. Absolutely. With you on pretty much all fronts there and Dalton, anything else to add before we jump out of here? Nope. All righty. That is going to do it for episode 105 of the half point per podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at half point per pod. Subscribe to the YouTube. You can catch the show live. The link to all of those things will be in the show notes as always. And as always, the show is available anywhere you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, etc. Five-star reviews are appreciated on, on both uh, platforms there. And we will be back, not, not quite on a weekly basis yet, I don't think, but I anticipate the next show we may have some a season-long rankings to unveil. So looking forward to that. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again very soon.